I've got my grandson in the front row. He's going to, if I fall down, he's going to pick this thing up. Going to run with it. Right, Maddox? You take care of me? Whoop! All right. And uh, we've been doing a series in our church in First Baptist, Gerard. We've been doing the fruits of the Spirit. Uh, uh, these nine fruits, if you read them, if you study them, if you do them, you will be a better, more effective Christian. You will be the Christian that God expects us and wants us to be. But the problem is application. We have to not just be hearers of the word, but we have to be doers. Sympathy is something you feel. Compassion is something you show, or better yet, something you do. And compassion is about the moment. The other day, I was trying to find a church up and around Youngstown. We we're going to have our Lenten services, and we're, doing, we're going to different churches. This church is up in Youngstown, and I was wanting to check and see what neighborhood it was in, because some areas in Youngstown are not very safe. So I was up looking for this church, and I saw this guy on the corner, looked pretty rugged, pretty rough, and uh, I passed him, and I realized that this wasn't the way, so I turned around in this quick mart. As I got to the quick mart, the guy saw me, and he came over, thinking, obviously, I wanted to help him. And um, so I, I rolled down the window. He said, I don't need a ride. And I was like, thank you, Lord. Thank you. He said, but man, I could use a cup of coffee. I'm like, okay. Now, usually if I go to the store, I'll get something. We all do. We go buy something and they give us back the change and we throw it in the console there. So I had a bunch of change, so I scooped up the change and I gave it to him. And then I waited because... As a pastor, I've learned in, in the past that you need to check on this stuff. You need to see. He goes into the store, and a few minutes later, he comes out with this big cup of coffee, and he's smiling. He's smiling. He's happy. Compassion is about, it's about the moment. It's about what you have in your hand right then. Whether it's money or whether it's your talent whether it's your encouragement or maybe it's just a shoulder to cry on that will meet a person's need. Jesus was all about meeting needs. Meeting our, he still meets our needs today. Compassion is about those times in our lives God intends for us to be the healer and the helper or the hero in the life of another person. There's a, when I went to seminary in Philadelphia, there was a guy who lived across from the church we were at. It was an African-American church. We started church at 9.30 in the morning. They said, after the service, we'll feed you lunch. We started eating at 2.30. 2.30. It was a long service. It was tough. Nobody had a crock pot on that day, I know for sure. 
But anyways, the pastor went over. The guy was sitting on the, the steps uh, of his house. And he asked the guy, what do you need? He says, well, I could use some groceries. He says, okay. Anything else? He says, well, my roof needs fixed. My porch roof here. He said, okay. Got the guys together. They did a work party. Got the food. Got the porch fixed. The guy started coming to church. A little bit later, the guy was sick. Couldn't come, but his son would come. The man eventually died, and his son came. And he said, The reason why my dad and I came to church here was because Jesus came to my house. We have to be careful. The world is tough. The world is scary. And we have to be careful. And we have to be gentle as doves and wise as serpents out there anymore. And we can't let what the devil and what evil is doing keep us from being the compassionate people that we need to be. In our scripture on Luke chapter 10, it's the parable of the Good Samaritan. Let's stand as we read God's word. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this, and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him he passed by on the other side. Likewise a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, And when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, He who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. May God bless the reading of his holy word. You may be seated. This certain lawyer, he was a scribe. We, uh, we would say that he was a theologian. Now, when I went to seminary, Pastor Steele was afraid. He was afraid if I went to seminary, they would ruin me. Well, they tried. But I've got to tell you this. Theologians, they sit around and they study 
and they talk about it and they bander it all around. They talk about the social issues and they talk and they talk and they talk and there's no action. The pastors, including my pastors, Pastor Steele and Pastor Ron, the pastors in seminary that I learned the most from were pastors who were theologians but also were preachers in churches, were pastors. Because you could, <coughs> excuse me, you could test it. You could try it. It wasn't idealistic. It was real front-line stuff. And that's what kept me from being ruined. So, Jesus was always good about replying with a question. Somebody would ask him a question, he would ask a question. Now, this scribe, this theologian, was very good. He knew the law of Moses. He knew what to say. He loved to talk about these problems. But you see, we need to understand that compassion is not academic. It's not all about academic. You know, you know we, we can get into this thing where we love to see people doing it. We love to watch movies of it. We'll even applaud others for doing it. But if we haven't shown compassion to anyone, we haven't shown compassion to anyone unless we've acted on what needs to be done for that person. Compassion is also not abstract. You know, that's the other thing is they want a hypothetical this and a hypothetical that. Jerusalem was 2,300 uh, feet below sea level. Jericho is 800 feet below sea level. And it's very narrow and windy. When I was over in Israel, we went down the road, 17 miles down the Jericho Road. Very dangerous. Very dangerous. They said that at the time of this, of Jesus' time, Herod had just released 40,000 people from a works program at the temple. So there was a lot of unemployment. You know what happens when there's unemployment. There might be some crime that happens. People are trying to survive. It's uh, excellent for robbers. And so, so when Jesus mentioned about this man along this road, people knew the reality of this road. They knew they could not think anything else but what he was saying. We're not to be abstract about the identity of our neighbor. You know, that was the interesting thing about the scripture when he says to him, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he says, you have answered rightly, do this and you will live. And then, and then he says, and who is my neighbor? Now, you cannot love your neighbor unless you know who he is. So he betrayed himself. And so Jesus says, let's put this in regular, everyday, real time for you. You know, we see people with a need. So the man has been, has been robbed. He's been beaten. He's been left to die. A priest it came down the road. Now, in Jerusalem, there's 24 teams of priests at the temple. 
And they serve for only two weeks uh, a time of, of the year. Uh, one of 12,000 priests living in Jericho. Now, he could be going to the temple to do his work. When he sees the guy, he doesn't want to touch him because if he touches him, he'll be ceremonial, ceremonial unclean. So he decides, well, let's just move on. So he crosses over to the other side. So he didn't need the delay. He didn't want the inconvenience. It might have cost him financially. You know. So the religious, the religious took procedure, you know, over that, over that person. It's about what he was about to do and not what that person needed. How many of us get stuck with analysis by or paralysis by analysis? We all get there, don't we? We all there. Like the other day, I didn't know whether to have popcorn or pizza. Paralysis by analysis. So I had them both. I thought, you know, God provided both. Let's just do it. You know, let's you know, let's let's live in the abundance of it all. But the, the problem with paralysis by analysis, we, don't, we never act on anything. We never get off the seat and do something. A Levite comes. Now, a Levite is a servant at the temple. He's like the minister of worship or could be the interpreter of the law. And he had the opportunity and he had the knowledge. He also had the curiosity because he did go over and check it out. But he heartlessly did nothing and he crossed over. Maybe, you know, one time I said to Dave, I said, Dave, there's nothing I wouldn't do for you. And Dave said, Earl, there's nothing I wouldn't do for you. So we agreed we're not going to do nothing for each other. (laughs) So these guys, the priest, he's walking, the Levite's walking, and they've decided, well, maybe that Levite behind me is going to take care of it. And the Levite behind him said, maybe that priest is taking care of things. But nobody took care of anything. Religious work doesn't make the religious worker religious because there's no compassion shown. And compassion can surprise you. The one person of all the people that had to be mentioned was the Samaritan. And we all know how the Jews felt about the Samaritans. They did not like them. They would go out of their way to avoid them. The Samaritan was a foreigner. They had strange clothes and strange accents. They hated the Jews and they were hated by the Jews. Of all the characters in the story, the Samaritan was the least likely to be embraced as a neighbor. This would be intolerable to this lawyer. And at the end, the lawyer could not mention. At the end. Did you see at the end? And who showed mercy? You know, when Jesus asked him, he says, Uh, So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, he who showed mercy on him. He couldn't even say it. He couldn't say the Samaritan. He couldn't. He just couldn't. You know. And yet this Samaritan is forever linked with kindness. We got good Samaritan centers. We got good Samaritan hospitals. We've got good Samaritan nursing homes and churches, clothing centers. You know, he who showed mercy on him. You see, because compassion is about what we see. Compassion is about action. 
The priest, the Levite, and the Samaritan all looked at the traveler. But the Samaritan was the only one who saw him. Saw his need. You know, you think about Jesus. Jesus in Matthew 9, he he saw the people tired and confused. And the Bible says he had compassion on them. Matthew 14, he saw the multitude and then he healed their sick. In Mark 6, he saw people who were like sheep without a shepherd. Compassionate to those lost spiritually. Sick, needy, widows and mothers and children. He touched lepers. He cured the sick people. He always befriended the social outcasts. He was a champion for the underdog. He prayed for the forgiveness of those who would murder him. Who was murdering him. He forgave a dying thief on the cross. The more difficult his life became, the more that people demanded of him, the closer to death he got. Have you ever stopped just a minute? Just to take time. That the closer to death he got, the more loving, compassionate, and forgiving he became. I'm going to give you some homework. There's nine things that this good Samaritan did for this hurt man. Nine things. I'm going to might give you a clue here in a little bit. But there's nine things that he did. You know, I think about this. Now, I know, you know, when you're riding down the street, I mean, it's not like the old days where you could pick up somebody, you know. You've got to be very careful. But sometimes, compassion starts at home. Sometimes we've got to look within our family, look within our church, and see what people need. I've issued two things to the church in First Baptist this year. Number one, when they meet somebody, including the family. They are to ask him, what do you need? What can I do for you? And the second thing is, what can I pray for you? What do you need prayer for? I'll pray for you. I know, way back when I was here as minister music, I used to be running back to the choir room getting ready. People would stop and say, bro, can you pray for this? And I'd say, yeah, I'm, I'm going to pray for this. And I'd rush to the choir room and I didn't pray. Since then I've learned, you need prayer, let's do it now. Let's not put it off. There's nothing so busy, so pressing. We can't stop and ask God to intervene for us, to give us the help that we need. You see, compassion requires more than prayer. It it is action. We just had a Sunday school lesson a week ago that said, um, faith without works is dead. You know, you want people to know who you are and what you are. A pastor and I, uh, uh, Pastor Luke, we go to the Waffle House. There's one in Hubbard and there's one in Youngstown. And at least once a month we go to the Waffle House. 
We call it our Waffle House ministry. Uh, we used to call it breakfast. But once we got there, we started asking them, what do you need? What are your concerns? What can we help you with? What can we pray for you? We go in there now and they're ready for us. Hey, Pastor Luke, Pastor Brooke, can you pray for this? Can you help us with this? We need diapers. Because of that, Hubbard and Gerard started a diaper program for families that needed diapers. You know, if you need diapers, you come see us. Work boots. You you come and get some work boots. Compassion is about how we do it. You see, the Good Good Samaritan showed, showed mercy. He cleansed his wound. He cleansed his wounds with wine. He poured oil. He bandaged him up. He delivered him with mercy and care to the innkeeper. You know what? He got off his donkey and gave that guy a ride. Through our own suffering and challenges, we understand, understand how others feel and, or what that situation is like. Tender-hearted to show and give concern and care. You know, I, I didn't know what, what it was to care for a couple who had lost a mate till I lost a mate but it was good it was good because now I have more compassion and I understand even more what they're going through the world needs kindness you know but Compassion is about how much it costs you. It's going to cost you some time. It's going to cost you some talent. You know, some people would say, Hey, bro, you got nothing to do. Why don't you? Hey, can you sing at this nursing home next week? Hey, hey, there's a program. Can you do this program for the senior center? You know, and sure, I'll be glad to do it, but it's going to take time. It's going to take talent. It's going to cost some treasure because you got to pay for the gas to get there. But that's okay. You see, compassion doesn't count the cost. You just do it. It simply responds to human suffering with loving kindness. We've all felt loving kindness, haven't we? Amen? Have we? See, this good Samaritan gave eyes when looked on an injured traveler with concern. He gave his heart when he felt true compassion. He gave his beast and his own feet to let him ride. He walked beside the animal. He gave his hands as he bound up the wounds. He gave his time as he postponed his own day to stay with him that first critical night. It may involve changing our schedule. And he gave his money as he paid for his stay in the end. Jesus is teaching us that when we love somebody, we give of ourselves to him or her. Jesus says, go do likewise. He gave the lawyer a choice and a chance. The choice was to go and do as the Good Samaritan. And the chance to become a person of compassion. This guy named Andrew Arroyo owned a business. Pretty wealthy guy. And what he would do is he would honor his employees. And what he would do, he would go 
And he would get these, um, you know, like you see the premier nights, the red carpet. And so he would set it up and he would get the red carpet and he would honor his employees by having them walk down the red carpet. Imagine, imagine, hey, guys, that might be something for Wednesday. Think about this. The red carpet for the ladies? Okay. If it doesn't work, I, I know I had nothing part of it. But, um, but he would always do this for his employees. He kept the stuff in a storage uh, bin. And while he was going to get the stuff to do an employee, he noticed a lady, a couple um, down, laying blankets out. Obviously, she was going to spend the night. He went over to her and asked her what was going on. She says, well, she'd been retired for 15 years. She used to have a van, but it was towed. She didn't have enough money to get get it back. This is where she stayed just so she'd be safe. And so he said, well, this will not do. So he took her to the motel and he gave her the red carpet to He kept her in that motel for six weeks. Then he bought her a little trailer and he put it on his land for a while. Then he found a place in her trailer park. Today she lives in this trailer park and is able to take care of her business. You know. Now he had the means. We have to remember that we all at one time have been helpless. And all of us have been hopeless in our sin. Untouched, uncared for, and yet God loved us and showed compassion for us. I love this. I love this story. This is the best story. And it reminds me, reminds me that, that we, we need to be more. If we say we're going to pray, let's pray. If we say we're going to do it, let's do it. God gave his life for us. Oh, how he loved you and me. He gave his life. What more could he give? I hope this year that First Baptist and especially Moundsville Baptist will be known as a church of compassion, a church of love and care, a church where where those who need the help will find it. And we'll all be richer for it. Amen. We thank you, Lord, for this time. We thank you, Lord, for this lesson. We thank you, Lord, that you remind us daily that our life is not our own, but our life, Lord, is in you. Our strength is in you. Our hope is in you. And so, Lord, we come to you thanking you, Lord, for all that you're doing. And, Lord, make us strong in our faith. Help us just not to be the hearers, Lord, but help us to do This week, Lord, I ask that you give opportunities for all of us to help someone along their way, either through prayer or whatever we can do. And in the end, Lord, we're going to give you honor, glory, and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.